You're listening to the Northside Christian Church Podcast. Find out more about Northside by visiting us online at northsideweb.org. Well, good morning, Northside. We are in our third and final week of, of talking about this balancing act. And the reason why we're doing that is because our lives just get absolutely crazy busy, and summer is no different. We've... Uh, we've uh, kind of used this illustration, a picture on the wall of the old guy that would spin all the plates in the circus, and by the time he gets to plate number three or four, the first one or two are starting to wobble, and and he has to go back and forth and try to keep everything spinning. And a lot of our lives are very, very much like that, and summer is no different. You know, sometimes I think vacations. How many of us have said, man, when I get home from this vacation, i got to rest because we go so far and we play so hard and it's like we just kind of rest. But it's not just that. How many of us, when we go on a vacation or a business trip, we have to work extra hard leading up to that so that we've got everything all done so that we can take a few days off? And then when we come back, we're so far behind that we have to work extra hard to catch up. It's just life like that. Um, And the ministry is no different. I I know a fellow that left the ministry and asked him why, and he said, because, Robin, you cannot be successful unless you work 60 or 70 hours a week. And so he left the ministry. It's just, it's hard in every occupation what you do. And I want to, so we've been talking about this balancing act and how we balance everything that goes on in our life. And... And one of the quotes that I want you guys to to catch this morning is, life change doesn't happen when we listen to the Word or learn the Word. Life change happens when we live the Word. Now, if you're not living it, then you're not learning it. Okay, so that's very, very important. Uh, We've talked about some things that are really incredible and important in the last few weeks. And and, uh, we may not be able to do everything, But these are really, God wants to help us in this balancing act. And so even if we could pick up one or two little things and kind of try to apply that to our life, that would just help us so, so much. And I want to confess this morning, there is probably nobody in this room that needs it any more than I do. Because I do like everything really fast. In fact, I was was reminded last week that that was the sermon on slow down, and you speak really, really fast. It's like, I know that. I had a preacher friend that in his pulpit, he wrote the big word, slow down. But it doesn't help. Because I, I, in fact, in this sermon, I kind of thought I would start off, I would just put a chair here, an easy chair, and I would sit back and I'd just relax and maybe be chill and just kind of share a few things. But it's like, that's just not me. It's not going to happen. I do everything fast. Well, not everything, but most everything. And um, uh, in fact, if you would talk to my wife, she would tell you how fast I mow our yard. It's like, I got other things to do. And she is convinced that I mow that yard on two wheels on my rider lawnmower. In fact, you have been by my house. You've probably seen me on two wheels on that rider. Uh, this, uh, this summer, I asked her, I asked her if she would plant a row of hostas along the back of our property because our, uh, our yard starts to slope downhill and it slopes all the way to the woods, which is the edge of a ravine that drops 20 feet down. <clears throat> she says, I'm in that ditch seven times a summer. And so I just wanted to, I think it's, <laughs> I'm living life on the edge, okay? And, and uh, but it gets, it gets slippery sometimes down there. And it's, it's a slippery slope. And it's like, I just go fast and I can't help it. Uh, I got a need for speed. Uh, the other day, I rode my motorcycle to work. And I got a Can-Am Spiders, three wheels, 
two in front, like a motorcycle with training wheels, right? And so I had to go to the hospitals. And so I went to visit the hospital, Akron City. And uh, when I'm coming back, it was rush hour, and there's, I'm trying to merge on, and there's semis in front of me, behind me, inside me. And it's like, you got us like, they're bigger than I am. And so it's like, how in the world are you going to get in there? So I just gunned it, and I slipped right in between the two. And then a police car comes right up next to me on the side. And then the lights come on. It's like, oh, no. And then he took off after somebody else. It's like, yes. <laughs> it's just, you know, so, so we all probably need that because we're trying to spin life everywhere around. And, uh, and when you do good at your work, you know how they reward you? With more work. And you just get to a place where you're, you can't keep up. Let me give you two words. You want, might want to write these down. They seem like an oxymoron, but they go together. Competent negligence. Competent negligence. And you think, well, how can you be competent if you're negligent? It's like they, they don't seem like they go together. But here's how they fit. I learned this 35 years ago, actually when I first moved here. You need to be competent in everything you do, in your work, in your job. You need to be competent. But the truth is, you cannot do everything. So you have to pick and choose some of the things that you're going to do. You have to do the things that are the most important. That means you purposely must neglect other things to do that which is most important. So therefore, competent, you need to be competent, but you also have to be negligent in some things. So competent, negligent, because the truth is, you can't do everything. And so one of the things we learned in the last week is you need to learn to say no to some things and to think about some of the things that, that we do. And so this morning, we're going to talk about, uh, it's our last sermon on this, how do we balance that? How do we, how do we fill our tank to make sure that we don't run out um, you know, uh, pet store delivery truck was, was um, <clears throat> making, making his rounds, and he pulled up to a stoplight, and he got out of the truck, and he took a two before, and he beat the side of the truck. And then he pulled up to the next stoplight, and he got out of the truck, and he took a two before, and he beat the side of the truck. And a man was watching this, and so he says, he got out, and he says, why do you, every time you pull up to the stoplight, you beat the truck? And he says, well, this is a two-ton truck, and I'm carrying uh, four tons of canaries, and so I beat the truck to keep half of them flying at all the time so that I'm only carrying two tons. You know, I think a lot of us are kind of like that truck driver that, that we're always trying to keep something in the air because we really are overloaded. So we're going to talk about how to keep your tank filled. So let's start out with a survey. Raise your hand if. How many of you, when your gas uh, little signal thing goes down to like, it's still three quarters full and you're a quarter empty. How many of you stop and get gas when you're just a quarter down? Okay, just We've got a couple. All right. How many, when your gas tank is ha only half full, you've already used half of it, how many of you stop and get gas when it's half full? Okay. How many of you, you wait till it's like three quarters empty and you only got a quarter left? How many stop and get gas then? All right. There we go. Now, how many of you wait till that little light pops on and it's a warning signal and you stop and get gas? Okay. There you go. Um, how? How many of you have ever run out of gas? Okay, how many of, how many of you are lying? Okay, uh, it, it, just, it happens. Let me tell you, when we're on a long trip and that light comes on, it really makes my wife uncomfortable. <laughs> I kind of enjoy it. Uh, but anyway, uh, it just happens. Now, <clears throat> we run out of gas, and we don't just run out of gas in our gas tank in our vehicle. We run out of gas physically, emotionally, spiritually 
financially. And so really this parallels things that we do in our life in that regard. So let's just start off with, just list a few things that, that causes our tank to, to get empty, and we're running on empty, whether it's physically, spiritually, emotionally, whatever it is. Um, I think one reason is we don't start off with a full tank, that, that somewhere along the line it's already half gone, and it's like, you know, when you go through life and you're only half full all the time, it's like sooner or later you're going to run out of gas. I think another reason why we run out of gas is because, just to be honest with you, what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks is we're too busy. It's like we're, we're, we're late to work, we're late to that appointment that we have, we're late to church, uh, we're, just, we're just late, and so we don't have time to stop and get gas. And that's another reason why we run out. Um, <clears throat> sometimes I think we run out because we're really unaware of the hidden leaks that might be in our gas tank, and it's just leaking m- more than it should. And um, that happens, do you know that happens in our life too? Uh, you know what causes a lot of those leaks? relationships and responsibilities and you've got things that are just kind of you ever been in a relationship that just kind of sucks the life and the energy out of you you don't raise your hand if that's your husband or wife okay um but but we do that i think i think sometimes we run out of gas because we ignore the owner's manual you know that owner's manual that's probably in your glove compartment that you never bothered to read and it tells you what kind of gas you ought to put in it and how many miles to that gas tank you're going to get in that car you know your car is designed to go 283 miles and you think okay i can go i can go 300 miles on this tank of gas and so then we push it because we've never really read the owner's manual you know that happens all the time in life we don't read the owner's manual you know what the owner's manual is don't you it's the bible you know what the bible stands for b-i-b-l-e basic information before leaving earth. It's like, man, I ought to read the owner's manual to kind of know, you know, what's the size of my tank? How far can I go without having a refill? Uh, In fact, uh, one of the things we talked about last week was in the Bible, it says about the Sabbath day, and that on the seventh day, God rested, and we ought to rest too. And and in the New Testament, Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man because we need to rest. And and sometimes we don't rest, and we end up getting in trouble. Uh, And we're trying to burn the candle at both ends, and we just really get in trouble in in our lives because of that. I think another reason that because we're, we're just in too much of a hurry, not too much in a hurry just to stop but the faster you go the more fuel you burn and sometimes we're going so fast in our life that we're burning up energy that we don't really recognize that we are burning up Um, I think another reason is we're distracted and we're not watching the gauges and you really aren't paying attention to the gas until like the light pops on and maybe it's too late Uh, or, or you think well maybe it's broken it doesn't really work you know we do that in our own life too Did you know there are warning signs in our own life, gauges that ought to gauge whether we're overstressed or really things are going pretty good in our life? Warning signs, you know what some of them are? Your weight. Or being stressed because you're trying to do too much. Or irritability. Check with your wife, your husband, somebody in your family, because sometimes we're the most irritable to them. It's like, hey, man, what's wrong with him? And it's probably just because we're stressed. And that's one of the signs that we're doing that. Um, <clears throat> being overloaded. You know, if you're trying to pull a heavy, heavy load, the, more, the heavier it is, the more gasoline you're going to use when you're pulling that load. There are probably lots of reasons why we run out of gas. And so 
So uh, we talked about slowing down and spending time with God and learning to be content and saying no and some of those things. So today I want to talk about how do we fill up our tank. Uh, and I want to go back to the scripture we looked at the last couple of weeks in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. So I want to read it this morning out of the New International Version um, <clears throat> and talking about how to keep our tank full. Come to me, this is Jesus speaking, come to me all who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, for you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So how do you keep your tank full? You know here in this passage, it gives us three little simple steps that we need to do. Before we get into those three simple steps, I think there's something that has to happen even before that. You've got to get fed up with your life. You've got to get tired of, of being sick and tired all the time. You've got to get tired of, of living the way that you're living and being stressed out all the time. And, and until we get to that place that we are sick and tired of being sick and tired, I don't think that most of us are going to change. As long as you're willing to live in a rut, as long as you're willing to live stressed out, as long as you're live, willing to live overextended, you know, you're not going to want to change. You know what causes a lot of people to change, uh, particularly their habits and their lifestyles? It's pain. We don't like pain, but pain causes us to quit whatever we're doing that, that's hurting us in some way or another. Because the truth is, most of us don't change when we see the light. We change when we feel the heat, when there's problems going on, when we're laying flat on our back in a hospital because we haven't been taking care of ourselves. And the scripture says in Psalm 23, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. And because we weren't smart enough to lay down on our own and to rest and do some of the things that we need. And so in our culture that says push, push, go, 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 if you don't learn this, then you're, you only have two choices. You're either going to have a breakdown or you're going to have to learn to break through in some way or another. Uh, and in our culture, in the last several years, we've seen an uh, escalade in suicides. Uh, in fact, several Americans, famous Americans, have committed suicide in the last several years. Uh, they were successful, but they were all stressed out. They, uh, they were famous, but they were not fulfilled. They... Uh, they had a lot of money, but they didn't have a lot of meaning. They uh, had a lot to live on, but they didn't have a lot to live for. And it's even hitting our kids. And one of the reasons why they even see uh, an increase in suicide in kids, one of the reasons, you know what they're thinking? Social media, their cell phones. Because in the social media, they're always comparing their life to somebody else, and somebody else has it better, and they don't have it, and oh, woe is me. And then all of a sudden, uh, suicide becomes an option for some of those kids, which should never be. Um, so so you've got to get fed up with the way that you're living and, and to, to start some of those changes. And when you do, there's three things that Jesus says in this passage. Here's number one. You need to come to Jesus. Jesus is the one that's going to help you more than anybody else, more than, uh, than anything or anybody. Look at verse 28. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's the first thing he says. You come to me. Now, you come to him and you bring all the good in your life. You bring all the bad. You bring all the frustrated. You bring all the pain. You bring all the overstressed. You bring everything to him. That's what he's saying here. He says, you come to me and I will give you a sermon. No, that's not what he says, is it? Well, isn't that what we want to do sometimes? Give him a sermon? That's the second, leads to the second part. Come to me first. The second thing is, and I will give you rest. That's a promise. 
He doesn't say, come and I'll give you a sermon. He doesn't say, come to church. He doesn't say, come to a religion. He doesn't say, come to rules or regulations or more rituals. You know, and we have a tendency to do that. We think, you know, if somebody's really, really struggling and they're overburdened, the last thing they need to do is a lot more things when they can't keep up with what they're going now. And so Jesus said, and it's a promise, you come to me and I will give you rest. So it's not a pill. It's not a philosophy. It's not a program. Program. It's, it's, uh, it's a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. And we have to come to him in order to do that. Uh, you know, in the, Jesus said, come to me. He's the one that knows us better than anybody else. He's the one that created us. He knows what is best for us. Do you know in the Bible, people came to Jesus for all kinds of reasons. Do you know that? Uh, some came for forgiveness. Some came for healing. Some came for advice. Some came for eternal life. Some came for food. Some came to criticize, some came to question, some people even came as skeptics. But you know what the thing is? It almost seems like Jesus didn't really care why they came as long as they came. And Jesus says, you come to me. And you can come to Jesus and say, you know, I am wiped out. I'm exhausted. I'm stressed out. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn. I can't handle it anymore. I'm unfulfilled. I'm angry. I'm bitter. Jesus says, you come to me because he does, it doesn't matter why you need to come to Jesus. You come to me. Um, and, and I know sometimes we say, well, yeah, but he, you don't know all the stuff that I've done. You don't know all the stuff that I've done in the past. You don't know what I'm planning on doing in the future. Jesus didn't say that. He said, you just come to me and I will give you rest for your soul. Your soul, not your muscles, give you rest from tension, from anxiety, from hurry, from worry, from stress, from the expectations of other people. He said, you come to me. You know, how is it, how is it that we unwind? You know, we all have patterns. How, how is it you unwind? You know what a lot of people do? They go to entertainment. They go turn on the TV. Some people go to sports. Some people go to uh, exercise. Some people go um, uh, to a hobby. Uh, we all have different ways that we relate stress. And all those things can be good, but they don't rest your soul. If you want your soul to be rested, you have to come to Jesus Christ. Look at Isaiah chapter 40. He gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. So are you weak? Are you tired and worn out? He'll give you strength. Two verses later, look what he says, verse 31. Those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. When the culture says, go, 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 Jesus says, come, come. So what we really need is we just need time with God, time alone. And sometimes we're just so busy that we don't have time to have time with God. And that hurts. Look at Matthew chapter 6. He said, when you pray, go away by yourself. Shut the door behind you and pray to your father in private. Then your father, who sees everything, will reward you. You see, there's a difference between being alone and alone with God and lonely. And so sometimes it's good to be alone with God because that will help to give you a full tank. So Jesus said, number one, that's step number one. You must come to Jesus. Here's the second step. Take my yoke upon you. That's in verse 29. Uh, now, a yoke, we, we described it a week or two ago, is a, a wooden apparatus that you harness two animals together, two cows, two, uh, two oxen, and that, that pulls a heavy load. And you think, wait, wait a minute here. 
wait a minute here. He says, come to me for rest, and you want to put a yoke on me? It's like, that doesn't make sense. Oh, but it does make sense when you think about it. Because <clears throat> when you yoke to another animal, you're not pulling all the weight yourself. So what Jesus is saying is, hey, hey I want to help you pull your load so that you don't have to pull all the load all of yourself. The purpose of a yoke is to distribute the weight, to share and lighten that load. And so it says, take up your yoke, yoke with me, and I'll help you pull it. Uh, look at verse 30. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Now, is your burden light? He says, if, you, if you're hooked up with Jesus Christ, then your burden ought to be light as well. In fact, the New Living Translation translates that, my yoke fits you perfectly. And so he's going to put something on you, not that's heavy, but something that yokes you together with him that makes your life easier and better. In the Bible, the yoke, there's, there's two symbols for yoke uh, in the Bible. One is one of partnership and that you are partnering with Jesus Christ and, and he is helping you to carry whatever load that you are carrying it. Now, isn't that good stuff? Look at Psalm chapter 55. Give your burdens to the Lord and he will take care of you. He will not permit the godly to slip and fall. Now, let me ask you, who's got a stronger back, you or God? And so it's like, you might as well let him carry some of this load. Um, and if you're overloaded right now, and if you are stressed right now, that means one thing. That means at this very second, you are not really yoked to Jesus Christ. Because um, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And if those two words don't describe your life, easy and light, then that means you're really not really connected and yoked with Jesus like you should be. Because he said, I will help you carry that load. You see how being yoked is, is so much better? Um, second word uh, that it is a symbol of is control. Do you know why so many people are stressed out all the time? Because they have this need to control. They feel like they know what's best for their own life. Many of them feel like they know what's best for your life too. Sometimes it's in the marriages, and that's why it causes problems. And if people would realize there's so many things in life you cannot control, but when you try to control those things, you just get all stressed out. And, and so here, the symbol of control is when you are yoked, then you can't go where you want to go and do what you want to do. You're yoked to that other, that other animal, and there is a driver driving you. So something is going to drive you in life. And so he says, when you're yoked to Jesus Christ, God's going to drive you. What that means is he will take you in the direction that you need to go, and you'll go at the pace that you need to go. And sometimes uh, we don't really want to wait. We want to charge right on ahead. So when I'm uh, yoked with Jesus, that means we move together in the same direction and in the same pace. Look at Galatians chapter 5. He says, since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. In other words, if I'm really yoked with, with Christ... I can't go faster than what Christ is going to go, all right? Now, that's a big problem for a lot of us. You know why? Because generally, we want to go faster than what God wants to go. And God's not on our timetable. And sometimes he needs us to learn things as we're kind of going along. And, and if you're really yoked to him, that means you've got to go at that same pace. Um, I, I read this last week. The most difficult room in God's house is the waiting room because we don't, we don't like to wait. Um, but if Christ is setting your pace then your life should be light and easy and not overloaded and stressed. Here's number three. He says, come to me, take my yoke upon you, 
Number three, he says, learn from me. Jesus modeled how we ought to live. He modeled the purpose of why we ought to live. He modeled the pace of how we ought to live. He, he modeled the peace of how we ought to live. In verse 29, look at the second part of that. He says, learn from me. Learning is a process. Learning takes time. And so, so, so many of us, it's going to take time to learn to kind of reprioritize our life and to get rid of some things that we don't need and to add some things that God wants us to leave. Um, we get, uh, you know, most of us, we didn't get overloaded overnight. And so we're not going to get out of it overnight. It's kind of like the person that all of a sudden he wakes up and he's 100 pounds overweight. It's like that didn't happen overnight. And so because it didn't happen overnight, you're not going to lose 100 pounds overnight either. It's got to be a lifestyle change that eventually will lead toward a, a lighter weight. And so it's the same thing with being overloaded. So the, the good thing is whatever you learn, you can unlearn and you can relearn. And, and he's saying you need to live a, a you, you need to learn from me. And uh, so that means we need to watch Jesus. How did he live? What did he do? By the way, did you know, I just realized that this last week, never in the scripture do you ever see Jesus running. He doesn't. He's got that right pace. And so if, if we're running here and there, it's like, you know, um, we need to learn from that. He says he is gentle and humble. Now, why is that important? He didn't say, you come to me because I have energy, I have strength, I have stamina, I have endurance. And that's, all, well, that's what we're looking for. But that's not what he said, is it? He said, come to me because I am gentle and humble in heart. So what's up with that? Well, here's why I think it is. Two of the greatest causes of stress in our life are arrogance and aggression. Aggression, Why? Because we want to go, go, go. We want to do. We want to do more than what we're doing. And, and we just take on more and more and more and jump into things. Uh, we don't take time to think and pray about it. Something, does God really want me to do this? And then all of a sudden we find ourselves overloaded. That aggressive lifestyle. The second thing is arrogance. Because we think, well, we can do it all. Um, we don't need any help. Or, yeah, I can do that, and I can do that, too. Well, I can take on that extra project, and, and all of a sudden we get overloaded because we kind of think that we can do everything. Hey, we are not Superman, and we need to remind ourselves we're not Superman, and we're not the Savior of the world. We, we need to recognize that, but sometimes we don't. You know what the secret of peace is, of Jesus' peace? Twelve times in the book of John, he says, I only do what my Father tells me to do. You see? If we would just do what God tells us to do, we don't even have to understand everything. We say, okay, if this is what God wants me to, I'll do that. His, he is gentle. He's patient. He's humble. And it's like, just trust God and just do what he asks and, and don't worry about stuff. Look at Psalm 142. When I am overwhelmed, you alone know the way that I should turn. And so if you're in a really difficult spot, I just want to encourage you to hang on. If you're struggling in your marriage, if you're struggling in life, you're struggling in your finance, you're struggling in your job, you hang on because that verse says it's God alone that knows which way that you need to turn and help him, let him make the decision. That's why the owner's manual of the Bible is so important because the Bible says faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's why we've got to go back to the scriptures in that. And so as we wrap this up, learning from Jesus, you know, two of the greatest ways that we learn from Jesus, um, it's start every day filling your tank. Have your alone time with God. Say, God, fill my tank. Uh, I need to learn from you. You're the one that fills my tank like no one else can.
Don't be so busy that you can't do that. The second thing is, be connected to God's family, the church. All the way back in the book of Genesis, he said, hey, it is not good that man should be alone. I don't think he's just talking about marriage there. So whether you're married or not, it's like you need each other. You, you need to, uh, the strength of one another. Um, look at these two scriptures. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, Let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, and especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So in other words, don't neglect coming together and, and, and strengthening one another. Ephesians chapter 1, And the church, which is his body, it is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. In other words, the church is it's filled with Christ. And, and so it's our filling station. So as we come, God fills us up. But we can't just listen to the word, and we can't just learn it. We need to live it. And that's what the church really is all about. Maybe you've heard that old illustration that you've got a campfire that's warm and glowing and everything's good, and you take uh, an ember out of that, maybe a log or maybe a coal that's red hot on fire, and you take that out and you set it by itself, and it's going to start cooling down. It's going to lose that flame. But if you take it and put it back in the fire, it's going to reignite. It's going to get hot again. And that's a very good picture of the church. Because when we're out there by ourselves, it's a whole lot easier to get discouraged. It's easier to get picked off. It's easier to get discouraged and tempted by Satan. But when we come together, it's so much more important. And that's one of the reasons why we emphasize not only church, but small groups. So that we're together, so that we strengthen each other and, and grow in our faith. Now, I don't know. I don't know what you're struggling with and how you're trying to balance everything in life. What's weighing you down, your problems finances maybe it's aging parents maybe it's a diagnosis maybe it's juggling your family and running kids and holding down your job but whatever it is Jesus says come to me and I don't think you will get a better invitation anywhere else than coming to Jesus Christ because he promises I will give you rest Take my yoke upon you, for I'm gentle and humble in heart. That's what we need to learn from him. That's the starting point. So this morning, we want to encourage you to come to Jesus. Maybe you never have. Maybe you're visiting for the first time, and you've never, ever come to Jesus. Maybe you've grown up in church, and you never really ever came to Jesus. We want to give you that opportunity today. Let's pray, and then we'll sing.